check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers. I'm Vincent, here with Craig, Tim, and Nick. It's Christmas week. Merry Christmas, everyone. Guys, how were your weekends? My weekend was pretty good. Uh, actually, it's very good. I went away this weekend, week before Christmas, little getaway. Uh, me and my wife went to Iceland for the weekend, which was legit. We were going to see the Northern Lights, uh, which we did, um, but it was certainly an adventure. It took us every night. We had to go out searching for it. Uh, we we were there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Friday was raining, cloudy, couldn't see it. Saturday, uh, we there was cloudy where we were, so we had to drive an hour and a half across the country to find an open spot. Sat there for like 4 o'clock in the morning. Didn't happen. Then Sunday, we book a tour. They cancel the tour. They say, not enough visibility. We sign on to another boat tour. They took us out in the water. It was a two-hour tour from 9 to 11. Um, we're on the boat. We're on the boat. It's 10.30. I've pretty much resigned myself to the fact that, you know, we did this trip so we could see the Northern Lights, and we're not going to see them. And then at 10.45, there they were. Uh, we saw him. We got a picture. It was great. It was it was amazing. It was super cool. Uh, definitely recommend going there uh, if anybody ever wants to do it. It's a great trip. Guy made everybody else's weekend look terrible. Huh? Yeah, sorry about that. And luckily, I got to miss the pick game. Well, not miss it. I watched when I got home and got angry after that. But I missed it in the moment. All uh, right, Tim, you're up next. <laughs> How was your weekend? Good luck with that, boys. I mean, the whole time listening to you, I kept thinking, what F are you talking about? You tilted your head up and looked at the sky. <laughs> oh, not there. Try again. Yep, still not up there. It was long. My neck hurts. Uh, for me, it was, uh, I mean, I was at the garden. I watched the game. We'll talk about that. Nick, Sunday, what did you do I, this weekend? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't remember Sunday. I think it just Saturday blurred me into the Monday. Um, well, my Saturday was good, but first and foremost, it's nice to be back on the podcast. I wasn't here for the last one. Missed you last week, Nick. I know. From the uh, from the 10th to the 17th, I had four finals, so wasn't a fun time for me. Um, no. The games were, you know, a nice little joy in between, especially because we won both of them. But I'm happy to be back. I got to be there on the 18th. It was great. It even though we lost, I got to see some of my old friends. Got to see some daily burgers. The de- got to eat the daily burger. Ooh. Fantastic! So it was I a good time. Daily burger. Oh yeah, That's and we, we we wrecked that guy's life. Oh yeah, he he must have been a new worker or something because we came in with like four orders <laughs> and he he was shook. The mat like his his manager had to come over how to help him out. It was all good though, he, and they served alcohol before twelve. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, and Dad almost ratted thing. us out. We gave him a simple request, just a Budweiser, just simple Budweiser, and a uh, the toasted lager. And he looks and he goes, Bud Light? We're like, no, Budweiser. What did you want? The toasted lager. We don't have that. I was like, it's right there. It was like on tap. Yeah. The Budweiser and the, the toasted lager were both on tap, right next to each other. It was funny. So he gave him a can of Budweiser instead. Yeah. Uh, but it was great. Not to be, great you know, concessions. Not a great game. You, you know, know. that's yeah, how yeah. it goes. Yeah. Oh, Saturday B crew starts at the bottom. You know, everything. Everything was rough at the Garden that day. 
but yeah, and then, you know, the game was game after that, and went around the city, saw the tree was nice, um, Sunday watch football, it's the first time I got to watch football in a couple weeks, so it's nice. All right, let's get into the pick game. Obviously, a disappointing loss. 59 to 57, loss at home, but it wasn't a home game. Very strange scenario. St. John's in the Reds at Madison Square Garden against Pitt. Jamarius Burton led all scorers with 20 points. For St. John's, three scorers in double digits. Dylan Aday Wusu led the team with 12. Posh had 11, and Soriano had 10. The real problem is no one else on the team had more than four points. We struggled to shoot 35% from the field, 33% from three, which doesn't sound terrible, except we only made six of them. We shot 18 of them, which is not a great number for us. Obviously, the headline, Julian Champagne not there because he had COVID. We struggled without Julian, and it really showed in this game that without him, we lacked some offensive movement. We came into the game averaging 85.2 points. After this 57-point performance, the lowest-scoring game of our season, we come away now averaging 82.6 points. That's a big drop, and after this performance, to be honest, we deserve to not be one of the highest-scoring teams in the country. We need to figure out our offense without Julian, guys, because it didn't look pretty. Yeah, not having Julian was very evident during the game. We didn't have somebody who could, not even could, just whenever they got the ball, you knew they could store, score at will. We lacked that without him. Uh, Wusu definitely wasn't it. He hit a couple threes, and he did better than he usually does, but he, he wasn't a certified bucket. Neither was Posh, neither was Coburn, neither was Mathis, who had an awful game. Um, yeah, it hurt not having Julian. Yeah, I mean, Julian's like our safety valve uh if you know if we need a bucket he's always there he can score we talk about all the time how consistent he is how he he always gets his points right we really needed someone that could always get their points on saturday and unfortunately we didn't have it um you know to no one's fault you know he's he had covid nothing we can do about that uh and unfortunately with the timing we didn't really have a lot of time to to plan around it i mean we only found out i believe friday uh, yeah, the day before. Yeah, so you know that's not a lot of time to game plan. So, um, for the staff, for the players, you know, you assume you're going in with your best player, who's one of your main scorers. You find out in the night, maybe you got to play the next morning. You find out he's not going to be there. So that is a big jarring setback, um, and it clearly, clearly had a big impact. Y- y- yes, absolutely. Missing Julian is a big point. Well, for for we need our to be style, better. Though. That's for our style. That's the yeah, problem. Yeah, we, we need to be better than than we, we were on Saturday. I mean, look. We're look. a better team than this. We're a better team than them. We should beat them without Julian. Now, listen, there were other issues in the game, which caused by Julian not being there. I understand that. 14 turnovers for us is a terrible, terrible game, which is something we've struggled with all year. We've continued to talk about this. 14 turnovers to a game like Pitt keeps them in the game. They doubled the amount of free throws we had. Not only that, they shot 82% while doing it. 28 free throws for them, 14 for us. They shot 82%. We only shot 50%. They got free points. Yeah, I think I think to your point, the turnovers, yeah, I think the 14, look, the 14 number is okay. It's not awful. The problem is when they happen. See, in the first half, we only had four turnovers. That's great. The problem is 
and we were winning at the end of the first half. And then in the second half, we had 10. And then we allowed them back in the game. We let them hang around. We gave up easy buckets. And then at the end of the game, it became a dice roll. And Pittsburgh gave us every single opportunity to win that game. I mean, I, I, like I said, I wasn't there on Saturday. I watched it when I got back from Iceland. And I knew we lost watching the game. And I kept thinking in my head, like, how do, how do we lose this game? Every time there was a wide-open three for Pitt, they missed. Every time there was a breakaway, they missed. We blocked it. We tied it. We did it. I'm like, how, how in the world did we lose this game? I mean, Pitt literally couldn't have tried any harder to give us the game. And we were like, no, thanks. We're good. We tried even harder to give it to them. Yeah, and, I mean, it's and we true. won. You know, true. in that sense, we won. We played as ugly in the game as they did. We did. Well, yeah. we, we, I mean, we, we played took... to the level of our competition. We constantly do it. Yeah, this is a perfect example of how we did it again. Now, maybe Julian's here. Maybe that doesn't happen. But it, he wasn't, and it did. Four, four fast break points for us is another killer. We, we, this is that's something we need to excel at in games, and for we just didn't have it. We would go on fast breaks. We'd pull back. We wouldn't know what to do with it. We'd be sloppy with the ball. There, there was one where Mathis had it, and he just uh, showboated a little bit too much on the layup. Guy came right behind, blocked him. That's yeah. two points that were easy for us. If he went hard like he normally does, it was something. It was just certain things happen that we look at our team. We go, we don't expect that to happen. You know what a good good and bad thing about this game might be? We could have gotten the MSG jitters out of the way. Yeah, the hopefully. only The only bad part about that is Julian didn't play, so he didn't get those jitters out. But we talked about that junior. last show a little bit, how, how the shooting there is yeah. different. So hopefully that's what this is. That's why we only scored 57 points. And Julian has played there many times. The hope is that he doesn't have that, that issue. But he, I'll take Julian only being the player with issues next game. If it means everybody else got it out in this terrible performance. Oh, yeah. If anybody's going to be able to, you know, not even worry about the shooting factor, it's going to yeah. be Julian. I mean, I think, though, we do have to talk about, I mean, yes, if we're not on the bubble, this is not a problem. The problem is, the way the season's trending, the bubble seems to be where we're going to make our living. And the problem with that is you just lost to a sub-200 net team. It's a quad-four loss. Prior to this, all of the losses we had – you could live with Kansas, Indiana on the road, no big deal. None of those things are going to be a problem. This is the blemish on our record. It's a problem. It is going forward. This is going to be a loss that when they look at those tournament resumes, this is going to be the one. Now, they look, if we're lucky, they will continue to say, well, you know, Julian Champagne wasn't there, which gives it a qualifier. That's great. Maybe. We all know how that goes. Sometimes they do it. Sometimes they don't. And if they do it, great. And if they don't, it looks like we lost a pit essentially at home, it was really bad. It's a really bad loss for us. Look, it's not the end of the season. Pitt's not. Look, Pitt's bad this year. And look, I, you, last week we spent, what, like 20 minutes making fun of Pitt and how bad they were? Yeah. Uh, thanks, thanks, guys. We, we jinxed them. We totally jinxed us, which is yeah. great. That's what we're great at. Um, first, you know, first Coburn, who was a sharpshooter. Then we talked about him now. You know, he, he's struggling to hit the three. We talk about how Pitt's an easy win. We talk about all kinds of other stuff instead of the game. Payback. Well, Payback. let's root for uh, Pitt versus Notre Dame on the 28th. And then Pitt also versus Vought Tech. And then Louisville, Boston College, and then Syracuse. 
I wouldn't mind them doing a quick clean sweep of all those ACC teams. You know, maybe win the championship for the ACC. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll take anything at this Big point. Big Pit fans now. Hopefully they uh, make a little noise in Absolutely. a terrible ACC. I'm going to make one more point about the pit game. Um, Soriano, Nick, your guy, he had a he had a good performance. I mean, he played really well. Um, he he had he blocking shots. He made some point. He scored some points. Um, he has a presence in the paint. So you know, look, it was bad, but hopefully there's some positives like that uh, that we can take out of it. Yeah, nine rebounds, ten points. That's a good three blocks. It's a solid performance. Yeah, he led the team in rebounds. Led the team in blocks. Which I also didn't realize that he is 56th in the country in blocks with 1.91 a game. That's true. As of today. Awesome. As of the only problem is he did give up the game winning buzzer beater. But to be fair, he was in a tough situation. Yeah, the defense on that play was absolutely terrible. Just terrible. Oh, we yeah. played defense on that play? No, no. I mean, well, we tried to. We failed. We, it was disastrous. disastrous. We, we didn't correct the switch, and that's what ended up leading to. It's like we didn't know how much time was left on the clock. I mean, it was, it was literally it, what it looked like. Like we left them out. Like uh, the clock's gonna expire. He's not gonna get the shot off. We but, had that. We had that problem a couple times that game. We also had, we got a thirty second call on us. Well, for Soriano at the end of the game, it's better than him letting him take that jumper. Well, stop and short jumper, than a layup. Because if he went for the stutter, it would be an easy layup. So he, at least he put the effort to do the harder shot for the Soriano guy. Didn't so, do a bad job. He did what he could. Well, yeah, he was put in the circumstances lose lose for him. I'm not blaming Soriano on that play. It's no. it's, it's a switch, and he's under overmatched. And since he's playing a guard, he can't guard him on a foot speed thing. But that's why I don't want to take away from him. He he had a good game. He just you know look, it's not his fault. It just what happened. But he had a, my guess is, <laughs> Nywe hasn't looked great. I mean, I know he's his numbers with him on the court are much better. He got to start again, but. He, he's got to do something with the start. Soriano got more minutes than he got and played a much better game. So if he wants to continue to start, I think he's really got to kick it into overdrive. Between, yeah, between Nywe and Omar Stanley, they got two rebounds in 25 minutes. Soriano got nine rebounds in 30 minutes. So, you know, he had five more minutes, but he also got seven more rebounds on them. And, you know, they, they have two blocks together. My problem... Uh, I don't want to be a broken record, but boxing out, not going for blocks only, trying to box out instead of just going for blocks. You can get blocks when they're on the help side and that kind of fun stuff, but you can't only try to hog blocks. That's that's their problem sometimes. That's yeah. Iwi's problem sometimes. That's you, true. We had that problem for, for years with the, when we had Obekpa and we had a, they were leading the league in blocks, which is great. It's awesome. It's fun. The problem is they go sell out hard for the block and then leave an easy put back on the other side. That is a problem. That's why we always lose on the rebound. Yeah, absolutely. With that being said, we are 12th in the country in blocks with 6.18 a game. That's good. But again, I don't want to get seduced by that. Well, that's also why Obeck was last year. He stopped doing the hard block and doing the double hand block to grab the ball. So if Nywe can adjust to that... I think that's a good opportunity for him. Yeah. All right, now that we've broken down the pick game a little bit, let's bring our special guest in, Zach Braziller of the New York Post, to talk about what the pit loss means and where we go from here. Zach, thanks for joining us. It's great to have you on. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Um, appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was ugly. I mean, I think we all, all everyone who watched could tell. Um, you know, I... I thought the team was actually headed 
I, I thought they were starting to get it together and were headed in the right direction. And, you know, obviously then Champagny gets COVID and, and then they played a really bad game against Pitt. I don't think there's any doubt, you know, the offense was as bad as it's been all year. Um, you know, they had an early 10 point lead and then kind of really got, it got away from them. Um, free throws were, you know, they, they were a bad free throw shooting team in the game. They, they couldn't shoot from three. They didn't really, they weren't very organized offensively. Um, and even with all that said, it was still a game they really should have won, you know, with everything that went wrong. You know, I mean, the, the final possession defensively was, was brutal, you know, to, yeah. to just let Pitt get an easy switch onto Soriano with their best guard. Um, I didn't understand. I, I don't know. You know, I understand why he was in the game because he had he he had a good game. And he, he, was, he did have a really good game. Yeah, and he did. You know, he blocked four shots. You know, what I kind of felt like the part of the reason he had a good game. Pitt has like legit big guys. You know, they they don't necessarily have big guys who are shooting threes and you know, kind of wing type big guys where a lot of these, you know, by opponents have had. And you know, so I think that was part of why he played well is he could just kind of playing the paint and not have to worry about jumping out onto the perimeter. But nice. that last possession, just to let them switch automatically and get their guard on Soriano, I just, you know, did not did not understand that it was coming out of a timeout. You know, I and the thing is like I get why Soriano was in because you want to protect against the an offensive rebound, but there was only, you know, seven seconds. There was probably not gonna be enough time for that. You know, I I'm sure in hindsight they would have preferred to go to to Naiwi or, or Stanley, you know, more a more mobile big. Right. But yeah, look, it was a bad loss. It was a really bad loss. I do think there's some overreaction going on. You know, it they didn't have their best player. That's something that, you know, if St. John's isn't in the tourney mix, that is something that the committee will take into account. They've done it forever. Yeah. You know, if they, they look at the team you have coming to the tournament. Mm-hmm. But I think that will mitigate it, you know, a little. Um St. John's fans love to overreact. That's what we do. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you know that better than most. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, you know. It was toxic. Well, it, you know, I, I I was talking to some people that it, it's a toxic fan base, but there's reasons for why it's toxic. Well, I mean, it's true. two decades yeah. of, of, you know. Most I mean, we've suffered for a long time. Yeah, I mean, but going after Juan Anderson's head chopped off so you can go after Dixon, who got fired from Pitt, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, look, it was overreaction and – you know, it was a terrible performance, which comes on the heels of a real, you know, they really, really just have not played consistent basketball throughout the non-conference for whatever reason, you know, and the new guys, the coach not doing a great job, you know, maybe they created, developed some bad habits with some of these weak teams they've played. I mean, you can, you can kind of think of a number of areas, but so, you know, they, it was a really bad loss and the fan base <laughs> off the deep end a little, but look, yeah. I, I still, I still think this team is going to be the tournament mix. I, I still think they're probably going to be a tournament team. I get it doesn't look great right now, but you got it to me. It's you got to look at some things. Mike Anderson's teams always get better as the year goes on. We saw that the last two years where these teams, you know, last year's team was one and five in the Big East. You know, that's it, true. Right. And yeah. people yeah. forget that they ended up going 10, 10 and um, ten and nine. Um, so I do think people need to, to relax a little bit, but there's some things that need to change for this team to get it going. You know, they, yeah. they've, they've, they've got to start playing more consistently. Anderson's Anderson has not done a good job. Like I, I, I don't so far this year. I mean, I don't think that's up for debate. He has not 
set roles. He is not set up, you know, set on rotations. You know, to me, he's he still isn't playing the two freshmen, Stanley and Pinzone, enough. He's got to get to nine, maybe ten guys. He's playing too many guys. Um, for whatever reason, this team is not good in transition, and they turn the ball over a lot, which are two things that his teams usually don't do. Now, I think some of that is playing too many guys and guys really not getting into a rhythm, so I think you can put some of that on the coach. But also, some of that's on the players. So these guys, The players got to play better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 14 turnovers against Pitt is way too many. Right, and it was 10 in the second half. And, I mean, how many times did they have great transition chances where it just fell apart for whatever reason? Yeah, there were so many times Posh kept pulling it back, and it was the right move at the time. And it's like we really need to be out ahead and give it in a layup. We couldn't be, we shouldn't be pulling it back so much. And right, right, yeah. I mean, like for whatever they just they they should be they need to be a much better transition team because yeah. that with the style this team plays, that's how you're so that's how they're supposed to excel is in transition. Right, and for whatever reason, it just it hasn't clicked yet. And I do think they're going to get better. Now, obviously. Thursday is a massive game. You know, must win. Must win game against Butler. Champagne's not going to play, but Butler's short. I still think St. John's will be favored by you know by a few points. They they'll they'll have some practices you know underneath them without without Julian. So maybe that'll help because you know they found out like late Friday afternoon he wasn't going to play. So you really didn't have much time to prepare. Um, I, you know, one guy I do, I can see having a much bigger role as we go forward, at least for the next month is Coburn. You know, we all know he's in the PA program at St. John's and he's missed practices because of it. And, you know, really hasn't gotten into much of a rhythm, but now with finals over, he's got about six weeks without anything there. I think that could at least, maybe that helps him get more of a role. And look, you have some good shooters on this team. They got to start running plays for these guys, you know, yeah. start yeah. getting these, especially Thursday where you don't have, when you don't have Julian, get some, get open shots for Coburn, get open shots for Smith, get these guys a chance to, you know, get some confidence. Um, and, you know, let's see more of Stanley. He's, he's a guy who can score a little bit and he plays really hard. Yeah. He has a nice jumper actually. Yeah, he does. He does. You know, so let's see more of him. Let's see more of Pinzone. You know, I, I'm getting close to the point where maybe maybe you think about burying Wheeler a little bit. I he he's he hasn't played well really at all. And he's been given a lot of chances. Yeah. Um so one for six from the field for us. You can't you can't you can't play eleven guys. You just yeah, you can't not do enough it. minutes. Not enough minutes and, in the game. It's not even about the minutes, it's just about it's just not gonna help guys. It's just you're not guys aren't gonna get into a rhythm. It's just it's not going to work. I think they've got some tough decisions to make that he's got to set on a, you know, I, after the cancel, I'll say he, I felt like for a few games, he, he was playing nine guys and you were kind of getting into a, you know, a set rhythm there with, with who he's going to play. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of went backwards here in the last game or two of, you know, playing too many guys. And I get it. He always talks about the bench and he needs the bench to be good. And, but he, He's, you can't play eleven guys. It's just yeah, I, I think he relied a little too much on them, particularly this game without Julian. He, I think he kind of looked at it as, listen, we got to throw everything out there right. and go for it. But we ended up shooting thirty five percent. That that's not the outcome you're looking for. And the free throw shooting has just just been terrible. I mean, fifty percent this game was like forty two last game. It's those we have to get better at shooting across the board if this yeah. team is going to compete. But you don't think you don't think that this pit loss is going to hurt that much? It sounds like, like at the end of the day, I mean, 
it's, it's not, not going to keep help. you out of the tournament. It's not. Yeah, I don't think so. It's not going to help. But like I said, I mean, the committee always takes into account, you know, games without key players. And clearly, look, they didn't have not, not only did they not have their best player, they found out the night before. Um, True. And look, who knows? Maybe Pitt's Pitt wins some more games in the league. You know, they they were a little better than I than I thought. I do think their big guys are good. Yeah. Um, they were a, now look. St. John's played a terrible game, but they were a little better than I thought they were. I know they they came back and they beat Jacksonville. It was actually not a bad mid major uh, by by ten today. So you know maybe Pitt um, improves to where it's a top two hundred loss instead of something worse than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think look, it's when they made this schedule, they knew what they were. They they knew it was going to all come down to the league, and that's yeah. what right. it's going to come down right. to. How many yeah. how many wins do you think they're going to need in the league to? I mean, it, it look it all it all. Depends. I mean, it's variable, right? Yeah, it depends. It depends who they beat. Um, I think you probably need a, at least. I'm not counting the forfeit. I think ten, mm-hmm. and that's not really. And that's not counting the forfeit win. I think you probably need ten. But it also depends who you beat. You know, if if you if you would get nine wins, but you have wins over like Xavier, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Providence, maybe nine old is enough. If you have right. But if you have 10 and you, it's mostly against bad teams, maybe that's not enough. It, it really just depends on sure. you know, how many how many good wins. They feel like they need at least four or five quad one wins. And look, they're going to get plenty of chances um, with this league, with how well this league has performed. And, you know, to me, the start is just is so important because it's a soft start. They, they, they're, they have, you know, back-to-back home games right off the bat with Butler and Marquette. Then they go to Georgetown, which should be a winnable game, and they're home for DePaul. Like to me, if they have to win three of those first four, if nothing else, just to start to build some confidence, you know, yeah, absolutely. to the, the bigger parts of the schedule. I think after that, they have back-to-back road games at Providence and UConn. Yeah. But if they could find a way to win at least three of these four, and then you're, you know, with the fourth, when you're four and one of the league, you're developing some confidence and feel like you're headed in the right direction into some of these, into some of these tougher games. I, you know, this is a program that never starts well in the league. In, in recent <laughs> yeah. There's no excuse this year. You know, you have three of your first four at home. It's against teams that are not – they're teams that are – honestly, they're probably going to be favored in all the games. Maybe at Georgetown they wouldn't be fair, but that'll be like by a point or something. Mm. So they're, these are all games that they should win. You know, they, they so have a choice. Let's, let's go back a minute and talk about the forfeit. What do you think – obviously this forfeit rule was made last year, uh, and it's it's kind of evolved from there. You Is it – Obviously, you get a win for it on your biggie schedule, but does it really count? Do you think it this rule is good or bad? What do you, what are your takes? What's your take on it? I think they're gonna they're gonna switch. I think they're gonna jump. You know, switch the rule and, and at least give teams the option of rescheduling. Because if not, you you're gonna end up with teams with like the way we're going right now, three and four, four for wins or losses. And that just isn't good for anyone. And you know, all basically the way it works is it counts for the conference for the league standings, and that's basically it. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't go into, you know, it, it, it doesn't affect your net. It doesn't count as like quad one winner or whatever loss. So it's, it's really doesn't make that big of a difference. Now, you know, that one win over season, all that could, that could, maybe that helps them avoid playing that first night and gets them a buy. I, I don't know, but I think they had the league is, I think in, in time, you're going to see the league make a change. I mean, they already have three, Three games that have been that have been forfeited. Mm-hmm. You're going to see yeah. it, it's it's got to change, no doubt about it. Yeah, I would, I would assume that rule has to change. I mean that that's a like you said, it's just there's no way you can have all of these games being forfeited 
and have – I mean, DePaul is already going to start off with 0-2 in the league. They're, they're going to have to forfeit two games. Georgetown is forfeiting games now. It's, it's not going to work out well for the Big East. And, and you're going to drag the teams down in conference who are actually good teams. Which, which and it was also hurt. not intended for that, right? It was intended to get people right. to get vaccinated. But yeah. most of the teams are vaccinated. COVID changed, so – you know, the inability different. to reschedule just doesn't make sense. I mean, yeah, this, yeah, this, now the one thing I will say is last year they, they created the schedule where they had like gaps for you to make up games. Mm. It's not that, that there isn't that right now. Now I know St. John's has two different weeks, one in January, one in February, where they kind of have a bye week where they have like a week off. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, they, I guess they could play games then, but there aren't the like long, they, they didn't like last year they created, spaces basically intended for games to be rescheduled and they started the league season earlier. That's the, so I will say that, but yeah, I think there's no doubt they, they need to do this. You know, it's just, you know, we, we all know that the kind of the COVID world has changed in the last few weeks. And, you know, I mean, who knows, you know, right now it's, it's like the cold, the cold, you know, northern cities are the ones getting hit hardest. But now, but you see, maybe in time, it's going to be other places. Whether it's maybe it's Creighton's gets hit hard, or mm-hmm. you know, other you know Xavier, you know. So like, it's good. It's not just going to go away. I think in time, you will see them realize we have to make a change now. Whether that, you know, be like all the games that have been canceled already, or just moving forward, that's to be seen. But right. I think you're going to see a change, no doubt. So how many Big East teams do you think are going to make the tournament? I think seven. I, I really do. I mean, the league had an absolutely terrific uh, performance in, in non-conference. The net numbers are through the roof. I think only th- I think eight of the, the teams are like top 80 or so. You know, so there's going to be so many chances for, for good wins. And it's, you know, I, I think seven teams at least, maybe six, you know, if you want to, you know, be safe, but I think there's a very good chance for seven. I think it's a real, I think the league, I think maybe big 12 is better, maybe big 10, but besides that, I think this the big East is as good as any league in the country. Yeah. I mean, Providence kind of making a push for that last night. When yeah. Beat UConn. I mean, those are teams that, I mean, obviously UConn's ranked and Providence getting no respect at all, but those are teams that are going to make a push to be in the playoffs. I think for sure. I mean, in the tournament for sure. Yeah, and then you know you, you like UConn got knocked out, but I mean UConn lost two games without their probably their best player, you know Adama Sonogo. I mean I think UConn is clearly a top twenty-five team, so that really gives the league five. You know I think UConn is probably better than Villanova right now, and I think Villanova will figure things out. But right now they're they're struggling, um, so you know I think the league is definitely at least five top twenty-five teams, which gives you so many chances for good wins. Yeah, build that resume. <laughs> Not like the ACC, which is awful this year. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. You know, when all those teams went to the ACC, you thought this was going to be a super confidence. In the last few years, it's just – it's a mess. I mean, all they have right – I mean, Duke is obviously terrific. Sure. I think Carolina's good. They're not great. But I think Carolina's a tournament team. And then after that, it's just – it's Nothing. really bad. I mean, L- Louisville oh. lost to yeah. DePaul, right? Yeah, Louisville is – Louisville's not very good. Uh, Syracuse is not very good. Pittsburgh, well, that's good. We obviously know about Pittsburgh. <laughs> I mean, Miami is not what it's been. I, it's yeah, the league is just kind of falling apart here. Yeah, yeah. Didn't happen to a nicer group of guys, but it's much like their football conference is the same way. But so, Posh Alexander at the end of last game didn't shake hands walking off the court. He's got to be heading into Thursday, kind of hyped up. He's a guy who can take over a game without Julian there. 
we kind of need him to take over a game. What other areas does St. John's need to improve on to help Posh Alexander out to get a win against a team like Butler? You know, Posh, after the first few games, he's, he's really has not hit any threes. You know, that's been a big issue um, is the three-point shot. And, look, I think he's played very well this year. Um, yeah. But the three-point shot's a big issue because teams are not respecting it and it's making it harder for him to drive. And then the other thing is turnovers. He turned the ball over a lot more than he did last year. That's another thing he's got to, you know, talk about all the new guys and maybe that's part of why the turnovers are up. But to me, it starts with him. You know, he's, he's got to be better um, taking care of the ball. You know, I, I'd like to see more three guard sets with, with him, uh, Dylan and Pinzone because Dylan and Pinzone are two of their better three point shooters. And you put those two guys on the floor teams, it's going to make Posh uh, tougher to defend. You know, I, I expected him to have a huge game against Pitt, and I—it's I, not that he didn't play well. He, you know, he, he, I forgot how how many what his numbers were, but I know he had like five or six, five rebounds. But you know, I expected a little better out of him. He just the shots weren't falling. He was five of fourteen. It kind of felt like he was in between. He wasn't sure if he wanted to shoot jumpers or get to the basket. And you know, Pitt's size, you know, looked like it. They kind of it kind of messed with him a little bit you know, in his, in his drives to the basket. Usually he's much better finishing around the rim. But, yeah, I, I expect him to be better. I expect them to get a little more creative on offense, you know, with some of their with some of their half-court sets. Um, yeah, he definitely – he had – I mean, he, he had 11 points, which is where I think he, he got hurt by the size of Pitt. Five steals, five assists, seven rebounds. So he had a pretty good game besides scoring. And I think, right. to your point, they, they held him out down low, and that's why he wasn't able to get the points he normally gets. He's got Yeah, he's got to take. He's he's got to take more threes. Like he's not taking enough. I know he has been making them, but if he doesn't take them, he's not going to make. That's true. <laughs> got to shoot out of it, right? Yeah. The whole uh, the whole team. We weren't stretching the big man. All everyone was sitting down low, always four or five feet from the basket. When you got the one massive guy and the one skinny guy, both probably what six ten. Right. You can't have a guy that's six foot, no matter how talented he is, driving at them. It's not going to work out if they don't call the foul. Yeah, I mean, no, Julian obviously really hurt in terms of stretching the floor. You know, they St. John's it without him, they just they don't have a lot of guys who can hit hit shots. Which well, I was very surprised that Coburn hit his first shot, and then I think he might have missed the defensive assignment, and he came out, and he didn't come back oh. in. And you know, I know he's missed some practices, and Anderson is big on you know the guys who practice the best play, which you know. I could, you know, you understand completely, but I do think I, that is, he's one guy that I really think could add scoring punch if they start using him right. And, you know, he's more locked in, you know, he obviously, like I said, he's free of the program now for the next six weeks or so. And to me, he's, he could be that X factor. You know, I know early in the year when he was playing really well, I mean, a few coaches reached out to me. It was like, I told me they thought St. John would be really good. This, that Coburn could really change things for them if he can score the ball. So, you know, to me, he's he's one potential X, X factor for Thursday night that maybe he gets you, maybe he get you ten or twelve points to to help things go. Yeah, without, without Julian, we're gonna need it. You can go, Tim. Oh yeah, I was surprised that uh, uh, Seth Smith gave up on that mid range shot he has during the game. He, I think, he took one mid range, and he's got a deadly mid range game. Yeah, you know, I felt like they picked did a good job on him. We're kind of closing closing out on on some of his potential, you know, plays and shots. But yeah, I agree. Look, he, he was it was probably his worst game, and I think Smith has been pretty good for the most part for St. John. I know the three point shot hasn't quite been there, but I feel like he's played pretty well. You know, he was great against Indiana. Um, there are a few other games where he's played really well, but you know, 
but clearly, clearly Saturday, he was, it was his worst game. It was Mathis's worst game. And I think Mathis has probably been the most consistent transfer. Yeah. If you look at it, you know, Mathis just didn't have any, couldn't finish around the rim at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, a lot of things went wrong on Saturday at the same time. You know, you don't have your best player, you know, two of your key guards just couldn't find it. Um, you know, just, they're not as bad as they played on Saturday. I don't right. think there's any doubt about it. He's got to shake it off. And at this point, look, it happened. It is where it is. You got to move past it, go to Butler and, and right. forget about it. Yeah, so I think it's a good thing. They'll, they had like, they'll have a few practices to kind of, you know, figure things out and, and, and get, and get it together. I'm sure after the game Saturday, your, uh, your New York post plus account was blowing up, right? Fans going crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Twitter that, you know, I mean, it's, it's nothing brings St. John's fans quite together like a bad loss. Yeah. How many, how many people text you back on the, on New York post plus? Yeah, no, it, you know, we have about, about 300, uh, people on there and yeah, they're look, some of them get kind of angry, but no, they're very respectful. <laughs> it's, it's been going well so far. And, you know, I, um, I'm enjoying it. So I have, it. we think it's I great. Have, I like it. Craig, I enjoy Craig. it. So. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. It's cool. Yeah, for cool. sure. I, I, it's yeah. a good, it's a good service. We, uh, we appreciate the insight. Yeah. Oh, that, I, I thank you guys for that. So let's talk a little bit about the bri- broader New York sports. It is a dark day <sighs> for New York sports. <laughs> this is the first decade since 1905 to 1921 where no New York team has won a championship in the past 10 years. Wait, we're not counting NYCFC. Yes. Uh, I, I think we are going to count I'm it. Sorry. We have to. I'm sorry. You're right. I forgot. We got it. We should take claim of them. I mean, we might as well. Hey, soccer's uh, huge. At this, uh, at this right now, I mean, I don't think there's any other option. Yeah, it's it's not looking good. But if St. John's wins the Big East championship, does that count, <laughs> or does it have to be an NCAA championship? That's I my think, real question. I think uh, I think we'll have to count that. <laughs> I mean, we'll take it. I mean, th- just look at look at look at right now the landscape. The two New York football teams are just oh. an abomination. And it, it feels like it gets worse every year. The Knicks aren't good. No. I mean, the Nets are – I think the Nets are pretty good, but I don't know that many people care. Um, <laughs> the hockey is hockey. I mean, I know the Rangers are playing well. I don't quite think they're a cup contender. Um, you know, neither baseball team – I mean, all, although I think the Mets are having a good offseason, neither baseball team is coming off a great year. Um, yeah, it's, it's a mess. It's weak. <laughs> it's not looking good. It is – It really – it's – it really is amazing what, what's happened with the football teams. I mean, it's oh. – They're so bad. They're unwatchably bad. Like, after this past, after past weekend, four of the top eight picks are New York picks. I Hey, the NFL draft has become the biggest moment of the season for the, uh, for the football team. It, it reminds me of, you know, a few years ago, I think the Knicks and the Nets both had, like, top five picks, you know, before the Nets, you know, got 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 started to get better when, you know, with, with, when Kenny Atkinson came aboard and – it's it's depressing. I mean, I cover a lot of I cover a lot of Jets, and so I do practice sometimes, and I'll go out to games, and it's just like that's the you know before these games start that they're going to lose by <laughs> Yeah, I actually think the Jets are in the shape of the Giants, and the Giants' cap situation is a mess. I mean, Gettleman's been so bad for them, okay. not just present, but like when you look at the future, they got to completely strip it down. At least the Jets have a good cap situation and can really maybe try to grab some free agents and they'll screw it up to improve. 
But I've been I've been a Jets fan my whole life. You know they'll screw it up. There's no. Oh, oh, I grew up a Jets fan myself. <laughs> I, I know I know they did too. I just I think the Jets are better shape than the Giants right now. Which Definitely, tells I you, tells I'll take that positive note. To be honest, as a Jets fan, I'll take any positive note. I mean, it tells you how bad shape the Giants are. If the Jets That's are in better shape than you. That's true. So. Although Zach Wilson's a disaster. Uh, yeah, he is not. He has not looked good whatsoever. I, I actually think the draft was pretty good, though. I mean, I both Michael Carter's are good. Vera Tucker's good. Moore's good. But if you're if your number two pick and your quarterback is stinks, it's it's gonna be it's hard to you know it's yeah. hard to justify the rest. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I think they got utilized uh, Carter at running back to save Wilson from having to run his head off pretty much. Yeah, yeah. What's the Zach? What's the uh, what's the best game you've ever covered? I, guess right, I, I covered the um, I covered the Villanova North Carolina championship game when. Uh, mm. So that was oh, wow. Chris, when when they hit that shot. So that was pretty fun. I covered the, you know, the first Clemson College Football National Championship when they won like the last five seconds. That was mm-hmm. probably as good of you know was f- absolutely phenomenal. Oh, that's your Twitter oh. photo, right? Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I got on TV. Uh, yeah. So I mean, those are probably those two are 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 way up there. My first year coming to the NCAA tournament. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember the um, Wichita State was undefeated. They were number one. <laughs> early and Baker oh, yeah. and Vliet and that was the year that Kentucky was like an eight seed and they played in the second round and the Harrison brothers right yeah, yeah. That, that, that Kentucky team ended up going to the final four that was I covered that that second round game that was absolutely that was one of my favorite games um, I've ever covered but yeah I would probably say the two college games uh, you know I cover the playoff every year and then see a tournament every year so like you know I so yeah I mean I would I would probably put those uh, those two at the top those are both awesome, awesome games. Yeah. How did you get into journalism? Uh, I was just, you know, I was in college. I like sports. I wrote a little for my school paper, but nothing like crazy, nothing special. And, you know, I was kind of, int- I always read newspapers and I was always interested in press conferences. And after college, I was looking for a job and I got an internship at the New York Sun, which is now since closed and, you know, kind of, kind of went from there. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Uh, so, so you were you said you were a Jets fan growing up. I were was. you a St. John's fan growing up? No. How did you get so deep into these? Uh, you know, our, uh, <laughs> these waters. <laughs> yeah, these terrible waters that you you suffer through. Oh, I um, uh, I didn't. You know, I I kind of follow all the local teams. I didn't really have a have a kind of a, a college team. You know, I kind of I root for St. John's, root for St. Paul a little bit, but like nothing crazy. Never. Um, yeah, I grew up a, a Knicks, Mets, and a Jets fan, so. You know, three terrible franchises. That's that's tough. <laughs> that's yeah. and, and now you cover St. John's, so it's just yeah, hard. struggles yeah. all around. Yeah. Fortunately, Don't worry. Mike Anderson's going to turn it around. I do a little seed hole, so at least I get to see a winner once in a while. That's yeah, <laughs> that's true. They did win a BU championship not that long ago, so at least that's right. That, right. That's right. No, they've been pretty good. Yeah. So I think Mike Anderson will be able to turn this program around, hopefully. Uh, he's never had a losing season, so that's a that's a you know we haven't. He came in and he's done well so far. What kind of differences have you seen between Lavin, Mullen, and now Anderson in that's terms a, of the program? Good question. I, I think a big difference has been Mike Craig. You know, a, a professional, you know, real professional athletic director really knows, you know, what it takes. Um, I think he's been huge. I would have loved to see Mullen start with someone like Mike Craig. You know when he started, if he had someone like that, who would, you know, who could really help him. And, you know, I, 
I felt like Mullen kind of came in and just did whatever he wanted and didn't really right. know the proper way to do things. And I think that that really that really hurt him. Um, you know, look, Lavin was successful here. I mean, yeah. more successful than anyone's been since Jarvis. And, you know, the problem is his last few years, you know, he, for whatever reason, he, they stopped recruiting. He stopped working as hard as he should have. And, you know, I know a lot of people wanted him out. And to me, the problem was never getting rid of him. It was, you know, going and bringing in someone who had never coached before and not really, you know, in Mullen and not really giving him the, the proper resources of people to help him. You know, I like they could have had Danny Hurley if they wanted. Um, he would have taken the job in a heartbeat, but all along it was going to be Mullen. And now we go to Mike Anderson, who's look, this guy's a, this guy knows what he's doing. He's, yeah. he's never had a losing season. And, you know, he, he can, like, I don't think he's a great coach, but I think he's just a very solid college basketball coach. And I think, if he was being honest, I think he'd admit he has done a great job this year so far. That doesn't mean he's not going to do a good job this year. Last sure. year, he was one in five in the Big East, and I thought was headed for disaster. And they nearly made the tournament. And honestly, if last year was a normal year and there were actual non-conference, they probably would have made the tournament because the metrics for this league would have been better. Yeah, that's well, fair. I know it's popular now. All these people all fire Mike Anderson, which is – he just got an extension. <laughs> He's not going all right. Yeah. Not firing Mike Anderson. It's just it's it's nonsense. Also, in college basketball, firing a coach every three years is never that's not a good strategy. It takes time to build these things. Right. Yeah. I mean let's why say would some, why would Kate come? Right. I mean, let's let's see what happens. Like it's the league season hasn't even started yet. I agree. The signs are not good, but the bottom line, they still have two of the top seven or eight players in this league. They still have a lot of talent. They still have a lot of depth. They have a long way to go. I still think they're going to be in the mix, and I still think they could make the tournament. Uh, I get it. The fan base is used to terrible basketball. They see struggles, and they think, well, why would anything change? Well, you know what? Your last two years, you surpassed expectations with this coaching staff. Absolutely. Yeah. So do they just forget how to coach? No. They're not. Look, it's been a struggle so far. There's no question. But I just – I think it's way too early to be jumping off bridges here. Yeah, let's, I think it's time to trust Mike Anderson to turn it around. They have – they have – now, look, hey, they got to get going now. There's there's no more time to mess around. Like, they need to figure this out now. But I do think you're going to see a team that's going to start to get better. And like I said, I thought they were really starting to get on the right track before Pitt, and then Julian gets COVID, and it kind of – it clearly rocked the boat and, and messed, messed the – kind of the path they were on up yeah but you know it's not always a straight line you know sometimes there are bumps along the way so you know we'll see what happens against butler but i do i i'm not ready to say this team is just gonna it's gonna be a terrible year and you know like everyone supposedly you know so many people on this in this fan base thing i agree with you i think this is a team that has a lot of talent and can get there uh just going back to mike craig real quick he i think is a guy who has really turned things around for for st john's and just under his leadership, like you talked about, I think we have now real guidance in this program that's going to keep our school heading in the right direction. Even if it's not under Mike Anderson, I mean, obviously he just got an extension. He's not going anywhere for a long time. But in the future, if Craig sticks around, I think he's a guy who can really build a great program. I would agree. I mean, this guy has been in, in the business for a long time. And, you know, I, I get the fans want immediate, immediate, you know, uh, things done, but like 
now they have a good president here in place who, 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 who's big on athletics. You know, they're not going to build a new arena. That's not going to happen. They have the garden, but they are going to, they are looking to improve facilities. That's so important, you know, and I think Mike is doing a good job. Has he been perfect? No, but I think he's made some good moves. I think hiring Mike Anderson was a good decision. I still feel that way. Um, I know there are a lot of people who would disagree right now, but I still think that was a good decision. So, you know, I, I think Mike has done a good job. And I think Mike is someone who's really, it's going to be good to have around and good to lead this program, you know, in the years to come. All right. Well, Zach, thanks for coming out. We want to thank you for taking the time to talk with My us. My pleasure. Everything. And uh, yeah, it's been great. We hope to see you at some games and look forward to the yeah, this season come, around. Come by and say hi. All right. All right, yeah. all right, guys. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for coming on. We want to thank Zach Braziller for joining us here on Red Storm Chasers. Let's move on and look ahead at the only game we have this week after the Seton Hall forfeit is Butler. Butler Thursday night at Carnesec Arena, 6.30 p.m. on FS1. Butler comes in 7-4 and four on the year. This is actually their Big East opener. So no no record in the Big E's. Chuck Harris leads the team, averaging 11.6 points. He hasn't played since December 11th, so not sure about his status for this game. Jair Bolden and Jaden Taylor are the other two players, averaging double-digit points for the Bulldogs, 10.6 and 10.3 respectively. And then Bryce Nezzi leads Butler with 5.5 rebounds, but he's got a torn labrum, so he won't be available for them either. This is not your vintage uh, Butler team who's going to go out and make the Final Four, but it's a decent enough team. They got a good win at Oklahoma on the road in non-conference. Outside of that, they lost their two ranked games versus Houston, and they got beat pretty bad by Purdue. They also lost against Michigan State. What do you guys think we do coming out of this pick game heading into this Butler game? Do you think we come playing angry, or do you think this is – all of a sudden, our mental state's not the best. Julian's going to miss the game. So are we nervous or are we going to come and play angry? I think that we have a week and we got to figure it out. Uh, and it's a game we have to win at home against Butler. They're undermanned. So even though Julian won't be there, um, they won't have two of their best players either. So there's no excuse um, we have to win that game. We absolutely have to win on Thursday. It's a, as as early in the season as it is. It's just, it's a pretty must win game to get us back on track. I I really think we have to take the whole game plan of what Purdue looked and successfully completed was dominating them with big men. We do have the size. We have enough big men, and then having. Mathis, Posh, and Wusu would be a great starting lineup to really just abuse him early. And then having Smith and Pinzone stretch the court coming off the, uh, off the bench, I, I really think we have to look at what success has been done against Butler and just utilize it because we're losing our 20-point scorer. We have to figure out statistically how we're going to cover like Moneyball. Yeah, I just we, we got to see some fire out of these guys. Like I mean, aside from Posh and aside from Wusu, 
Wusu does a pretty good job almost always at matching Posh's energy, even when he's off the court. But we this is a great opportunity for a lot of people on the bench to show why they can get minutes when Julian's not in the game. They have a whole 40 minutes to show that. I, we we if, if we don't come out mad, if we don't come out with fire, if our guys aren't, you know, putting in the extra effort, they aren't diving for the ball, they aren't, you know, tagging the guy when he comes through the lane, those little kind of things. If they're, we, we need to see that fire from them, especially when Julian's not here, because this is their, their chance to show that they can, they can play when he's not, they can perform when he's not on the court. We don't see that as an issue. It's time. It's time for these guys to really get fired up and come out and be angry, right? I mean, you lost a game you shouldn't have lost. You look bad doing it. So come out and show that you're not that team. Show that you can win without Julian and that he's not the only piece that matters. Yeah, I'm with you, Nick. That's the storyline right now. Without Julian, St. John's is nothing. We lost a pit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really expect Posh giving the same kind of attitude as he walked off the court because wh- why shake hands with people that you don't want to see at that moment? Fine. Walk off the court, be frustrated. Come frustrated into Butler, angry, want to dominate them as all the uh, students get to bring a friend for free. Yeah, that's the promo for the game. Yep. Bring a friend. Any student, bring a friend. If you're listening and you're a student, bring a friend. We need to pack the house, always. I, I expect Posh to just come out angry and just shut down Posh will. all of their guards. I'm not worried about Posh. Posh was, I mean, he was angry. I expect Posh him brings to be angry always. Oh. He he brings it, but think about, what was he, 5 for 14 in the last game? He got beat up by their two bigs. I, I think he comes yeah, out he, this he, game and just abuses the other team. See, I, I, think I think he think, drops 20. I think he had the right energy. I think the problem is he had to do more. He, they put more weight on him because they didn't have a time to game plan. So he was left in a bad situation. I don't put that on him. Posh Alexander is going to come with the energy he has to come with and – and show up. I mean, listen, even in a bad game, he had 11 points. So I think he comes out. It's, it's who else comes. If we get the nobody else scores more than four points, well, we're yeah. going to be in trouble. I, I wasn't dumping on Posh. And that way I'm saying he <laughs> was frustrated at the end of the last game. With I think he expected more from himself, more from the team, and was extremely angry about it. And I think he's going to use that as motivation. I think where you're saying like he's gonna have more energy than he normally does, which is exactly. already a good amount of that. It's not a it's not a lacking. It's just a an extra intensity opposed also, to a lacking of it. Also, we were so quiet at MSG. It felt like it was a practice. Oh, talk about a classic St. John's crowd. Nice old. St. John's people, you know, 50 plus some odd years old, sitting down. Whenever anything excited or anything happens, they just sit there and clap. Nobody gets up. Nobody yells. Also, I love St. John's. We just got to get better at chanting. There was two groups of people in MSG. Granted, it's MSG. They do it at at Carneseca, too. One side starts chanting, let's go, Johnny, do, 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 do. And in the middle of it, the other group of kids starts doing it so it's like let's go let's go do 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 let's go let's go it's the other awful. the other chant we're absolutely terrible at is defense oh, we're yeah. the only school in in college basketball who doesn't understand that the defense chant can go on forever as long as you keep the same pace defense done done 
defense. Dun, dun. You can go on forever. The problem is, for whatever reason, St. John's feels the need to speed it up. It becomes and a then race. And what happens is it becomes a race, and you, and you, you finish before the defensive possession. Well, so now you're halfway through it, and you got no more chance, so you just stop. And it's it's useless. I just it's <laughs> awful. The noon games at the Garden are terrible for us. Yeah. Terrible. There's no crowd. It's too early. Now it is Christmas week. Students are home. They're not in session. So that certainly hurts us. This game on Thursday, it's going to be the same problem. That's that's why shout out to Craig for the bring a friend promotion. I actually think it's a really good promotion. I do too. Because you're gonna you're gonna have a lower crowd of lower crowd in the arena. Because there's no students on campus. So well, also season ticket holders get to pick up their free gift. Right. It's a good game for that. Let's go away be like, hey, make sure you come. And also they just put our promotion. If you wanna sit like a student, you can now for the for a few games, I think during Christmas break, um, regular ticket holders can buy the tickets behind the basket. Because usually what happens during these winter break games is that it's no empty. Because students aren't in sessions, there's not many students. Now it should be packed out. So I think it's actually an, another great idea to try to to try to get some um, some crowd noise behind the basket. Do you have to buy the ticket if you're a season ticket holder? Uh, no, I think no, buy I, additional tickets. I don't think. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a pro, it's a promotion day. They're saying for single game buyers. For single game buyers, yeah. Oh wait, but I thought you said it was a thing for no season no season ticket, ticket holders can pick up their gift. You can pick that's up uh, their season. Separate. Oh, okay, right, Every right, year right, there's right. a season ticket holder gift. Yeah, uh, that, that's this game to pick it up. Right. Which is good. It's a good idea. Get, get try to get people there on games. Yeah. When most people aren't going to show up. I have know? a question about the chanting because I wasn't obviously there on Saturday. Did the uh, did the drummer play the uh, defense in the middle? No. No. Nah. Man, I was hoping that he was pretty quiet all game. I know you're not allowed to do it, but it was great. It was spectacular. I was hoping it would last, but apparently it didn't. So let's let's go back to the Butler game a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) Butler is a team that averages 63.4 points a game. In comparison, we average 82.6 points a game. This could be a little bit of a you know who edges out who in terms of our offense and their slow offense. Whose pace of game are we playing, and who gets to control that could be the outcome of the game. One guy I think we should be afraid of is Jair Bolden. 38% from three-point. He's shot 20. He's made 27 of the 70 he shot this season. We have to make sure we guard him in three because he'll make it. You think he's going to be the, that Karnaseka guy who just hits a million That's, shots? I mean, he, I he's, he is. he's primed to be that guy. I hope he is. If he's the only one on their team that is that guy, let's hope not. I mean, let's hope so because he's probably going to do that anyway. Nah, I don't know. He already averages a lot of points. Usually it's one other guy. So if the Karnaseka guy Craig's referring to. Karnaseka curse. Exactly. <laughs> One guy we can leave wide open for three is Jaden Taylor. Jaden Taylor has shot 36 threes this season. He's only made nine of them. That's 25%. By all means, my man, you take the shot. You can't ever leave anybody open. Not a corner second. Never such a good shooting place, The answer is we, we're going to leave somebody open. I'd rather have it be Taylor than Bolden. Vincent, you know what just happened, right? You just called him. You called it. He's going to be the guy. Oh, yeah. You know he's ripping like six threes on uh, Thursday night. Open. Let him fly. Well, no, His greatest three-point shooting performance. I'll take he's my He's never going to make a three in Karnasek. No, it's going to be something stupid like Ty Gross is going to spread the court and beat us up. Gross. Yeah. That's gross. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> I, I just think 
No, you're right, though. If I mean, we play our pace of game, this is a game we should win. Butler is a good team. They're not a great team. We should win if we're able to control the pace of the game, which is something we really need Posh Alexander to do with Julian Champagny not being there. And I think we can, and I think we sh- we will. If we're gonna be a, if we're gonna be a tournament team, we want to make a legitimate run. This is not like I said. This is not a game you can lose. Not at home. Not against well, Butler. After the pit loss, this is a must win. Yeah, Butler at home. In second, nonetheless. We got to eliminate some of the stupid turnovers, stepping out. We had yes. three or four step outs at the Garden. We had two, well, we had one turnover from a shot clock violation, which no one had any clue what was happening. Another one where it was rushed right at the end. At these things, especially with our fans chanting the time, yeah. we should not have these things happen. That one was so bad that when I watched the game three days later, I was watching it in my house late at night. I, I was watching it, and I'm going, shoot. I'm, I'm like, watching him. Come on, shoot. He's looking the wrong way. He's not even passing. And I literally yelled in the middle of my house, shoot. And I realized it's 2.30 in the morning. My wife's asleep, and uh, the game happened three days ago. So me yelling literally had nothing to do with anything. But, yeah, it was that bad. That's how bad it was. I was like, oh, you think pay Sor- attention. You think Soriano woke up in a cold sweat just like, oh, I think you heard me. My, my voice traveled back through the time-space continuum to the game, and it allowed him to know. It didn't make, It didn't help make the shot. Well, you know, it no. wasn't loud enough. That's really I think the problem was it wasn't loud enough. I'll work on it. Correct. Next sent, it sent it to the wrong time-space you know, continuum. I sent it's it like to a different pit game. It wasn't that one. That's my bad. That's on me. Sorry, guys. All right. That'll do it for the show this week. Thanks for joining us on your Christmas week. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Johnnies. Merry Christmas. Hope you guys have a great holiday. Uh, we forgot Jeff Goodman. Well, we'll try to squeeze in again next week. Hopefully, you guys come out. We'll see you at the Butler game. Go Johnnies. Keep chasing.